Brought to you by Progressive. Drivers who switch to Progressive can save an average of $668. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Hey, Jen. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Nick? I'm good. I have been having a crazy time driving some of the sexiest cars on the planet. If you consider trucks sexy, which I know you do. Yes, I do. The Ram... 2500 and 3500. I have been driving in Vegas and then I drove a Trackhawk all the way from Detroit, a Jeep Trackhawk, to Chicago. And uh, I was with Mike Cordell, who's the other half of our auto expert. And Mike, we had this competition going and the competition was who could go the fastest? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can see where this is going. <laughs> yes, right? I do. How was, first of all, how was the weather when you were there? It was, you know, it's cold. Yeah. It was, but in both cities, it, it jumped between 15 and about 30. I think in Detroit, it was the high 20s. And in Chicago, it was the low 20s. But there was okay. no snow. Good. Uh, we had no snow, no rain, no flurries, no. And the roads are fairly clean. You know when it. The difference between there and where we live in the Northwest is in the Northwest, we have this bounce between 32 degrees and 34. And so it gets all slushy and nasty. Then it refreezes and gets all crunchy. And even though we might be great drivers, nobody's a great driver on ice. Let's be honest. Well, apart from you. Yeah. Because you went and got it. You went to school to learn how to drive. I did. We'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) But um, so we had this competition driving from Detroit to Chicago. I may have won. Did you get a ticket? No. <laughs> I may have. So it records in the track or it tells you the fastest you've been. <laughs> right. Let's just say the numbers involved are one, a one, and a four. Now, doesn't FCA get a record of that? Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure I'm in huge trouble with Tim Kaniskas, who's in charge of FCA. I'm, I, I'm like, I probably should go to jail. But, uh, but it, my, how did it handle? So, oh, amazing. Yeah. Like the track, it's a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, there are, I think, like ninety six thousand, right. but a hundred thousand dollar Jeep Cher- Grand Cherokee, and I would buy it, <laughs> like in a heartbeat. It's like in a heartbeat. We had to fill. We had to stop at many gas stations on the way. The interesting thing is, like, there is a video on my Facebook of me and Mike talking about doing this, and Mike's like, "Well, and and I only drove when it was dark, and and there was a state trooper, and I'm like, whingy, whinge, 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 like you know, actually, you can go a little faster in the dark." Yeah, What's he whining about? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, we, we'll call him out next time we have him on the radio show. Um, the interesting thing is, like in Detroit, they plow streets obviously straight, and uh, they were plowing intersections. And what happens is with these big turn lanes, the turn lanes weren't plowed. Right. So there was big, like, there was sort of triangles of snow at the corner of intersections. And so we came up and we had to make a right turn just outside the Fiat Chrysler headquarters. And so I made this right turn. And there was loads of snow. And I just purposely slid the car all the way across <laughs> into the, the next lane. And Mike, this was right when we got in the car. And Mike's like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> You're going to be a 12-year-old all day. I was like, I'm always a 12-year-old. Exactly. That's kind of my mantra. Right. So, uh, well, I had a good time. Good. This week in my driveway, I've been testing uh, the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has something called a wellness Uh, center in it and with a wellness center what you can do is select how you want to feel so if you're tense you can put the you know the well-being mode on and what it does is it unites the seat massager the seat temperature so heating or cooling the temperature inside the vehicle the ambient lighting 
and the scent control. So it will pump out a scent. It will. So if it wants to wake you up, it'll pump out the scent to wake you up. It'll pump out uh, like vigorous massaging, you know, cooled seats to sort of, you know, get you a little bit crisp. Um, and then the lights get like bright and all this sort of thing. So it's really kind of cool. So I've been messing with that uh, to do it. But don't ever put the relaxing one on when you drive. No. You need coffee before. I was going to say, does it make coffee for you? No, but it's like, it does tell you if you're getting too relaxed. It'll show a little coffee cup on the dash. Yeah. And it's like, you need to pay more attention to your driving. And (laughs) it means it's like stop for a break. It's called attention assist. Plus it has um, this like pre-collision thing in it. So um, I was testing the different driving modes. I put it into the sport driving mode. And, you know, sometimes you come up on cars pretty quickly. And uh, Ryan and I were both sitting in the car and it tightened the seatbelts. Because <laughs> it was like, free accident alert. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, you know, got in a little trouble for that. Uh, the <laughs> Volvo S60 is kind of a cool car. Um, there's a cool story that goes with this vehicle, which is um, I got a note when I first drove the car from Precious, who worked in the factory. And then we, I think we've had her on. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, so she she wrote me back and, and actually it was so cool because she appeared. They brought her to the uh, L.A. Auto Show. So I got to meet her for the first time. Oh, that's which fantastic. Was, like, I already am great friends with this lady that works in the factory uh, where they make all the new Volvo S60s. So every time I get in the car, it's like i reminded of that moment with Precious. Awesome car. It's actually really fun in the dynamic uh, driving mode. Um and I only put it in the, I've had it for like almost a week and I only put it in the dynamic driving mode today. I have never done that before. And it's like, what have I been wasting my time for? Please. <laughs> it should be in the dynamic driving mode from day one. Yeah. But, uh, the S class is great. That's great. So let's talk, uh, uh, before we take a break, a little bit about uh, you and we'll get into more of this in the show. Mm, yeah. Um, you went and repped us. Yeah, repping our auto expert. At a winter driving event. I did. Uh, and you went with Megan. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. Yes, we went to Toyota uh, Bridgestone Driving School. They're partnered with Toyota. And uh, it was in Colorado. It was amazing. And it was one degree there. Yeah, we'll have to talk more about the RAV4 and the Prius coming up. So if I was to stick you on an icy road in the Northwest now or Alaska or wherever, would you be able to drive better than you could have yes. done before you went to the class? Yes, they, they taught us things that you don't really think about. And the main thing is weight distribution how the car actually reacts or the vehicle or the truck to what you're making it do. So you don't have oversteering or understeering. It's pretty interesting. We'll get more into that later. And, and so you, you didn't wreck a car. No. It would have been a great story if you'd wrecked a car, though. <gasps> no, it no, wouldn't no. Have done. How did Megan, she's not in the studio right now. How did Megan do? Oh, my gosh. Um, really well. Really? She hauled through the track course and stuff really? like that. She was amazing, yeah. Did they have a competition? They did not. I don't right. think they really wanted us. In fact, we were going too fast. We got yelled at a couple times. Oh, I like that when <laughs> yeah. you get yelled at. There's nothing like uh, going to a program. You've got to get yelled at. We were taking the slaloms about 45 miles an hour in the Prius. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then coming to a full stop in uh, power mode. It was pretty saying, interesting. They were saying, you know, back off, lady. They just said, could you please slow down so the other people don't, you know, can catch up to you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because you were leaving everybody in the, in the we were. behind <laughs> we you. We were. <laughs> All right, that and much more coming up in today's show. (laughs) Keep listening. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Welcome back to the show. Uh, We want to get cold as if you weren't suffering enough right now from uh, winter temperatures, and that was tough. 
But, you know, it's not tough if you have to go and play in the snow. And uh, Subaru have an event that they put on every year. It's at Mount Bachelor. It's called Winterfest. Uh, and you can, you know, you can find out all about it from the website. We thought, well, that's just not enough for us at our auto expert. So uh, Matt Barber is joining us on the phone to talk about it. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. So give us the capsulated version of Winterfest. Nick, hello. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so Subaru Winterfest. Uh, if your listeners out there are interested in coming, uh, the closest one to your listeners will be at Mount Bachelor, uh, Friday, March 15th through Sunday, March 17th. So Subaru Winterfest uh, is it's an event series that we put on at our partner ski resorts across the country. Uh, so if you think about Subaru owners, uh, they're big-time outdoor enthusiasts and depend on their vehicles that have symmetrical all-wheel drive, high ground clearance to, uh, you know, get to these snowy resorts. And because they're so diehard about, you know, their sports and their resorts, we we like to connect with their communities and connect with those owners. And that's what this tour is all about. So, so how, how many locations? We go around, yeah, yeah. How many locations do you actually go to? I know you... Ours is a big event here. Now, is there any in California? And yeah, we have. There's nine stops. Okay. We it's all over the country. We uh, we do some in the Mid Atlantic, Midwest. Those are done already. Uh, Colorado, Utah, the Tahoes, and Oregon. They're, the majority of the resorts are partners through uh, Powder Adventure Company, and uh, we we're really connected to those mountain resorts, and we just we want to come in and kind of create a, a big festival to celebrate our owners and really just to make people have an even better day on the slopes. So you know, I think there's a I, number of things we do to do that. I've been to, uh, I used to ski a lot more. Me I have too. I'm, I'm kind of a loser now cause I'm not skiing as much as I used to, but or I, 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 uh, <laughs> I used to go up to Mount Hood in, in the, uh, in the Oregon area. And every time you go up there, it was, uh, lines of Subarus. They'd be like Subaru, 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 Subaru Audi All Road, Subaru, 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 Ford, you know, at some Ford station yeah. or something. Well, there's a lot of them in Bend, Oregon, as well. I mean, how, what did you say? We're like number three on the list for Subaru owners or something like that. Yeah, so I think I think Oregon's one of the main states. Yeah. Washington, I think the number one sold car is still a Subaru there. So you're definitely playing to your to your crowd. What goes on if I'm going to go to Winterfest? What am I going to see? What am I going to do? Well, if you're if you're an owner. Uh, there's tons of like kind of exclusive benefits for you. So all those cars that you said you see, you get VIP parking, gets you right up towards the slopes near the lift. Um, there are all kinds of great giveaways for owners, non-owners. There are there's free uh, coffee from Stumptown, which is a local you know. A oh, coffee yeah. roaster from mm-hmm. everyone. All your listeners would know yeah, Stumptown. Yeah. Actually, I was uh, in I was in a hotel in Philly, and they were serving Stumptown. Yeah, yeah. So wow. yeah, it's so made it all the way. Free out there. Stumptown coffee in the morning. We got free s'mores for your kids uh, from Choco Love and Smashmallow. We got we're Smash working with Clean Canteen and TerraCycle to try to drastically reduce our waste. Nice. Uh, so we we don't give away single use cups. We give away. Um, 
reusable cups right. for people to get their coffee. And then um, we have Nordica, LibTech, are our ski and snowboard partners. They're on site doing demos. And then for all your dog lovers, we will have on site BarkBox comes along with the Super Chewer Outpost. Oh, yeah. And this is like this killer dog experience. If you've ever been to Mount Bachelor, huge kind of like dog culture there. It like is. everyone comes with their dogs. And so this is really just like an opportunity for the dogs this year to get involved. There's like warm bone broth, dog toys, <laughs> photo op, really funny stuff for them Cute. to enjoy. So I know lots I, of fun. I know a friend that uh, recently decided that she didn't want to work in automotive PR anymore and she became not recently, about five years ago, she became a ski instructor at Mount Bachelor. And because everybody oh. because everybody has dogs, she had to get a dog. You have the Ski Patrol Avalanche Rescue Dogs there. Uh, are they are they rescuing people from other brands? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. So the background on that, we've been partners with the National Ski Patrol for like over 20 years. And right. I don't know, like maybe four years ago, we were just kind of like, we were just chatting about like, what, what are some things that we both care about that we're not doing? And we realized, wait a second, we, we all care about dogs and safety. And so like light bulb went off and said, wait a second, let's join forces and help ski patrollers across the country who don't have the funds to to train avalanche rescue dogs right. and let's support them. So what we do is every person who comes in and like opts in on our, on our forms for like lead generation and for entering our like daily drawings, we donate a dollar to a fund to send patrollers and their dogs to Wasatch Backcountry Rescue. It's in, it's in Utah to get trained every year. So this past year we sent five dogs and their patrollers. Oh, nice. um, previous years we've sent, you know, we'll send three. And so it's it's just a great opportunity for us to, um, you know, two like-minded partners to come together and do something that, like, both of our, either our members or ownership would just really love. And then what we do is we do try to get the Abbey dogs to come down and do demonstrations, but that's all kind of dependent on the conditions, right? You know, those dogs do need to work. So right. if they're available, they'll come down and do uh, demonstrations. I like the idea that uh, that this just sounds to me like a really good fun weekend, just going and meeting the dogs. However, the much we all love dogs, do you get to drive some cars too? Uh, you you don't get to drive cars, but you do get to see our latest uh, vehicle. So the Ascent, uh, the Forester Sport, uh, Outback will be on site. Uh, Harman Kardon is our main sponsor of the tour, and Harman oh, yeah. Kardon helps us put on these amazing concerts. Uh, that we'll put on every day. But right. uh, what we do do is we uh, we have um, vehicle demos you can get in the car. We have product specialists there, answer all your questions. We'll do a, a demo of the audio system, the premium audio system from Harman Kardon, and uh, answer any question you have about the vehicle. And then one thing we are working on, we're, we're working on getting a, um, a retired rally car racing vehicle. Um, <sighs> <laughs> to Mount Bachelor for this weekend for people to see. Oh, wow. Uh, there's a good, like, enthusiast scene in that area, and they really enjoy when we get some rally cars out. I, I'm already enjoying it. I ha I've never been. I know, and I'm <laughs> so bummed because Nick and I both got invited, and he can't go, and I'm just like, really, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> no. I know. I well, you could come. If you can't make it to the mountain, you could also come to our concerts. So we have concerts in each night in Bend. So... Friday, March 15th, uh, Saturday, March 16th, we have concerts at Crow's Feet Commons. Nice. So we've got, like, Friday night, the Little Smokies are playing. Nice. And then Saturday night, that's our big show. We've got Langhorn Slim 
and G Love and Special Sauce playing. Nice. So those are free shows for anyone who wants to come out. Crow's Feet Commons, right downtown Bend. It's going to be like just a killer party for the whole community. So what you would prefer, Matt, is if we bought a Subaru before we went. <laughs> I mean, you would definitely get some nice swag items. We've got right. some fun things. Um, we've got some great retro uh, Subaru headbands that we give out to owners and fun, just fun stuff. We A lot of fun stuff for everybody. So right. you don't have to buy a ticket then to go to this event. Is that correct? You could just show up? No, no. Everything's free. You don't even need to go and ski. You can just show up. We get we actually do get a lot of people who just show up, bring their dog, or just show up like they're either sometimes they're just super enthusiasts that show up who want to hang out. And then we get we get people who also just want to come for the concert. So uh all are welcome. No you don't have to pay anything. Uh, and just, I want you to imagine this. While you're having fun at Winterfest, I'll be sitting in front of a camera in some sweaty studio reading the news that morning. So, <laughs> and I could be out playing with the dogs in the snow. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit more about how we can find out more. Uh, go to Subaru.com slash Winterfest. From there, you'll find out everything you need to know about uh, what goes on each day. And then there is a schedule there. You can click in, and it, uh, you can find uh, more information once you click on Mount Bachelor on the tour schedule. And from there, you can you can find everything out locally. So, um, you know, for all your listeners out there, we hope you come on out, join the party. It was super fun, whether you're Subaru owner or not. All right. Well, Matt Baba, thank you for joining us from uh, Subaru. And if you want to go to Winterfest, you now know how. When we come back, Jen and I have stories for you. <laughs> Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I was looking at some of the interesting surveys that have come out recently, Jen, and one of them is top cars to buy used over new. And I just recently bought a Lexus GX, and it's a 2016 and new, I think they're about high 60s, mid to high 60s. Depends on how kitted out. I bought mine two years old and got about $30,000 off of it. Now it has 20, 25,000 miles on it. Was uh, it a lease, originally a lease? I don't know, but uh, there was a few things that we needed to fix on it. We think a person of age had been driving it because it looks like the back rotors had got ground down. And look, I think they had been driving it with their foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. My friend Aaron, uh, he replaced them probably within two hours, 145 bucks. Yeah, nice. So yeah, he's an awesome dude. Uh, I was looking at this list. So a lot of the cars are all over the place, but it seems like um, Hyundais and Kias are a really good buy uh, after the first year. Um, First of all, the Hyundai Accent drops 31%. They should actually get it $5,136 less expensive a year later. That's pretty common. Yeah, that's the number 10. Well, but that's a huge amount, like 31% after a year. That's that's crazy. Uh, The Kia Optima is in here at number nine, which is, again, uh, around 31%. uh, So is the Hyundai Santa Fe Sport. The Nissan Altima. Now, that's interesting. They dropped 32% after the first year. So originally, the you know you get about $7,000 off an Ultima. Off of an Infiniti QX80, 
you can get 26,180 after one year. Wow. That is amazing. What, with 12,000 miles on it? I would do that. Mm -hmm, For sure. I would totally do that. Uh, Kia Sedona is at number two. The Chevy Impala is actually at number three. Interestingly enough, um, Chevy Impalas, they don't make any more. So I'm going to guess that money is going to go down a lot. That's 36%. Kia Sedona, which is their minivan, is at number two. You can get 37.8% off after a year. But that's only um, $12,000. And what did you say the Ultima was again? So the Ultima, you can get um, 32% off, $7,984. Number one, do you know what number one is? Hmm. Nope. Ford? Ford. (laughs) Ford. Ford Expedition. Oh, wow. Uh, The Expedition. 38.5% off if you buy it one year after it came out, which is $24,690. And actually... That's huge. Like I had one out of the test fleet not so long ago, and my dad bought um, those double uh, like interior doors that go like into a dining room. He mm-hmm. bought a set of those doors, so they have a side panel on each each side, and then a double door that opens. I got them in the back of that, which is more than a sheet of plywood. They were bigger wow. than a sheet of plywood. I really, really like the new Expedition. So the Expedition, the F-150, and the Lincoln Navigator all share the same uh, platform. Right. And they share a lot of the same parts. They're really uh, the same vehicle. So the F-150 is the best-selling truck in North America. They sell over 900,000 of these every year. Uh, interestingly enough, the Lincoln Navigator, which is based on that, high luxury. And I like luxury, but I always feel guilty about spending my money on things that are luxury. I mean, why would I pay $90,000 for a vehicle where I can pay 60000 for right. a, you know, like, and then make any of the changes I want myself. Well, like if, if I really want TV monitors in the back, I'll have them installed aftermarket for two grand instead of, you know. Right. I mean, that's dro- how I think. We drove the Expedition, too, at Mudfest last yeah. year, and it yeah. handled great. It's awesome. Like, I <clears throat> really would like one of those. Okay, you know, I mean, no, Chevy girl, I have to admit, those are really nice vehicles. <laughs> yeah, do you they, feel like you're cheating on Chevy when you like something that's not a Chevy? You know, yes and no. Um, Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I have to bear. I have to be open-minded. Okay, so you don't. I, yeah, I'm open-minded, actually. Like I said, uh, I was really impressed with the Rav Four that yeah. we drove, and I've never driven one before, so I really didn't looks know good too, doesn't it? It does. I really like the bold, beefy <laughs> look. Yeah, I would say my only boo for that look is the the skid plate. The the, uh, the front is actually plastic. It's not a real skid plate. And I was like, boo. If it was real metal, it would have been like totally like in your face. Well, in the 2020, you can't even see that the way it looks. It depends which which model you get. Like in the adventure version, it's very obvious. Yes. Did you see the adventure with the orange and gray interior? Yes, that's what we drove. Oh, my goodness. Drove the vent. Shut the front door. I know. That is awesome. Like Uh that orange and gray interior. Did you see the green color? And the uh, exterior? No. Oh. Was it dark or? It, I'll show it to you later. It's amazing. Actually, I posted it on uh, our auto expert. Um, Jen, your picture should be on our social media from that event. Yeah. Our auto expert on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yep. You can go there and look at some of the pictures. that I'm Jen in took. love with the new RAV4. I, you know, I called it the squishy face is the old design because it's got that jaw look that, right. you know, comes up. But they... Made it actually look more like a truck. Almost like I, a yeah, runner. so I think they took a lot of stuff off of the current 4Runner mm-hmm. to make that vehicle. It is awesome. And it handles like the, in the yeah. snow. Okay, I'm, I'm like jumping the gun here. The yay, <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we haven't talked about your snow driving. We'll I get know. to it. We'll get yes. to it. We'll get to the snow driving stuff. Um, I was really impressed with that vehicle, and I would tell you I'm impressed with the Expedition. 
there is very few vehicles that I haven't been impressed with recently. I mean, just a handful of vehicles I haven't been impressed with. But the fact is you could buy a Ford Expedition for $24,690 off if you wait one year and let somebody gently use it for that first year. I mean, I'm I'm sold on those sort of numbers. Mm, me totally too. Sold. All right, coming up on the show, we're going to talk to Jeff Zerschmied. He's going to be here to tell us about uh, a Ram event that he went on. I happen to be on the same event. The new 25 and 3500, and it can tow 35,100 pounds. Whoop! That's a lot. By the way, do you know how much that is? That's 12 Toyota Priuses. Oh, that's awesome. I want to see that. Can we do that? All right. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Our Auto Expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Uh, So, you know, we have this guy in the studio. We've talked to him on the phone. and We get to go to events with him. Jeff Zerschmied, he's a contributor to uh, Portland Tribune Business uh, newspaper, the Tribune local paper. Uh, Jeff, you have been looking at some of the new heavy-duty trucks that have been coming out. Is it, first of all, a coincidence that every single truck company within six weeks of each other announced their new trucks, heavy-duty? Absolutely not a coincidence. Uh, you know, this is sort of how they, how they do their thing, right? They, uh, everybody's kind of on the same schedule except for Nissan. Uh, Nissan with the Titan XD is still um, uh, rolling with their old platform, but, uh, but GMC, Chevrolet, Ford, and Ram are all out with new trucks for, for 2019. All right, so uh, there's, there's a lot of controversy over this. We, I made a mistake while I was at the Chicago Auto Show of talking to Mike Levine about this and saying, you know, uh, Ford have outdone you, or sorry, uh, Ram have outdone you by being able to tow 35,100 pounds, uh, so can it out-tow more or less? And he's like, how dare you say that it can't tow more because <laughs> they're doing it with a four-door can, they're doing it with two doors, and, and ours is the only true four-door in the, in the business. Everybody else doesn't have the four-door numbers that we, it was like, whoa, we've uncovered like a viper's nest. Is it really that fierce in real life? Absolutely. This is, this is, uh, this is, uh, Serious bread and butter for these guys. They they need to uh, they need to sell a lot of these trucks. These trucks um, have a tremendous profit margin. They are sold to businesses all across America and uh, and in Canada. And uh, it's it's a huge amount of business and a uh, and a very important brand loyalty business for all of these manufacturers. And that's why you're seeing you know this year uh, it's been towing capacity wars. And torque wars, um, especially in the in the diesels on the heavy duty side. Right. Um, everybody's everybody's bragging on their uh, on their on their torque ratings, and and that translates very directly into towing capacity. All right. So let let's take these one by one, dissect them, talk about them, uh, and we'll we'll do Ram last because I know that's the one we know most about because it's the only one that's been available for a drive so far. So let's right. first let's first of all talk about Chevy. Uh, you know they're losing truck volume market in their uh, 1500s in their um, medium duty trucks. Uh, they used to have quite a margin over Ram, but Ram's now within 50,000 trucks of each other, and and we're quite proud to tell us uh, that they have 
uh, they've beaten them in several months in truck sales. Uh, they don't beat them for the whole year, but they've beaten them in several months. So Chevy, we've got a lot riding on this new HD, the heavy duty. Uh, how does the Chevy heavy duty bear up against the competition? You know, it's uh, first. Let's let's preface this by saying that all of these guys make solid trucks. They've been making trucks for a hundred years. They know what they're doing, and and these are all by any definition good trucks. You know, Chevy and GMC both now have uh, well until Ford releases their numbers. They have uh, Chevy and GMC have best in class towing capability of up to thirty five thousand five hundred pounds. And as as your your contact in the industry pointed out. That is with a one-ton, regular cab, dual rear wheel setup. Uh, it's one particular truck that does that. Um, and that, that tow rating is, is on a gooseneck uh, style of hitch, which is the, the heaviest duty, you know, heaviest weight kind of hitch you can buy. It's heavier than a fifth wheel or anything that you that you put on a uh, hitch receiver behind the, the bumper of the truck. Uh, you know, Ram's rating is 35,100 pounds, so just 400 pounds difference. Ford, interestingly, um, they have not released their towing capacities yet, and there was some suspicion that they were waiting until everybody else, you know, put their money down on the table before they released their rating and that they might uh, they might try to... to you know, make it to 35.6 or something like that. Um, just And it's all bragging rights for, right. uh, for highest towing capacity. So so the engineers at Ram tell me that uh, the Chevrolet Heavy Duty, in its current form that we have seen, is not capable of doing that towing. So we're probably going to see something just before the drive because it's only very small, very specific trucks that can actually reach that. As you said, they have to be a certain yeah. configuration. They have to be a certain cab size. They have to have a certain rear axle size, and they have to have certain things on them to, to get that towing. But they brag, everybody brags that they can tow that much because uh, every you know everyone automatically thinks, well, if it can tow that much, it must be the best in class, of course. But it's you know, that's not necessarily true. Uh, so, right. So... So we we don't we only know the number, but we've never been able to try the new heavy duty from Chevy. Well, yeah, we have not driven the heavy duties from Chevy or GMC or Ford yet. Um, Ram's the only one we've driven. But let me let me point out another thing, and that is that that it's actually illegal to tow that much weight with an ordinary driver's license. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can go buy that truck, but uh, most states limit the amount of weight that a person can tow behind any. Uh, you know, sort of normal driver's license vehicle, uh, like a pickup truck, uh, to about, generally it's between 10 and 15,000 pounds. Uh, it's less in some states. I believe Oregon is 10,000 pounds. Nevada was 15,000 pounds. And when we were down there driving the Ram, that's why the trailer that I pulled with the dually Ram with the big diesel was 14,999 pounds. Uh, I'd like to know how they measure that. It probably had to take to a truck, a truck scale on the freeway. I'm guessing. I would, I would guess they did something like that. But uh, you know, reading up on this, um, it turns out that there are, you know, you can buy travel trailers that are fifteen, sixteen thousand pounds, and if you if you pull them into some states with with a pickup truck, uh, you can potentially get a, a ticket in excess of a thousand dollars because you're supposed to have a Class A. 
commercial driver's license to pull that much weight. And and there's a point to that, and it, and it, it really is skill required, special driving skills required to safely tow that much weight on public roads. Um, you know, if that if any of that weight gets out of control at that level, you you've got a real problem on your hands. So anyway, the bottom line is that just means all of this all of this stuff about thirty five thousand pounds is a little bit of pie in the sky because the number of people who have that Class A CDL is uh, is really comparatively small. But you're actually, you have to stop and think about the consumer market isn't the only thing that those truck makers are thinking about. It is mainly commercial because of the amount of people that are using oh, sure. this commercially. So that 35,000 pounds is actually, people are thinking at that and they're like, okay, I can haul how many cars? I see more and more trucks every day hauling cars, you know? That's like a, a sure. business pop-up that happens all the time. Yeah, but I think it, it, I think what Jeff's saying it, it, is though it's just that you can't you can't even yeah, test for the it. average you consumer. Can't test yeah. it. Jeff, do you think that the Ford, that Ford are rushing around in their engineering uh, department right now trying to see if they meet uh, the competition's claims? They might be. Uh, they might be sitting there chuckling because they know they made it to thirty-five thousand six hundred pounds, <laughs> and they just wanted to wait and throw their cards on the table last. It, it's a it's a lot of marketing going on, and and as Ryan mentioned, it is important. You know, these are the trucks that that business owners buy, and those people are more likely to have that Class A CDL, to have that big, uh, you know, kind of aircraft carrier car hauler trailer or the the large dump trailer or whatever it is that, that they might have. Isn't it strange that Ford is also doing this with the GT500? They waited far after the Hellcat, far after the Demon, far after everything, and then they release and they say, it will be over 700 horsepower. I think it's 700. That's what they just came out with this week. Did it just it's, come out? Yeah, so it's just 700. Oh, God. Yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't beat the 707. Uh, you know, Ram saying that they, and we will we'll talk about the Ram in the next segment much more in depth. Ram saying that they've broken the 1,000 horsepower barrier, uh, 1,000 torque uh, barrier, pounds feet. Yes. Uh, and that's quite. I I do know. I happened to be at Ram this week, and I know that when they did the initial tests on their truck, it came out to 996 pounds, and they looked at each other and went. We need to go back to the drawing board <laughs> because we weren't, they weren't aiming for a thousand initially. They were just aiming yeah. to do a really powerful truck. And when the numbers came out, they went, we could go back to the drawing board and push this four more and, and break the sound barrier, basically. Clearly, the sound barrier is where it's all at. Uh, Jen and I were talking about this earlier, but it's basically 12 Toyota Prius. Mm-hmm. on the back of uh, <laughs> one of those. Not including the trailer weight. I have to point that out, but it's the same weight as 12 Toyota Prius. I told him we need to test that theory. Yeah, maybe we'll get a trailer that weighs the same as two, and then we'll tow 10. Although that would be a pretty big trailer. Like the only tra- I think I've seen six, <laughs> maybe would. eight cars on a trailer that, that's towed by a pickup is the most. All right, so that's the Ford, the, heavy du- the Ford Super Duty. Uh, that's the Chevy Super Duty. In, with the Ford Heavy Duty, we know very, very little about this truck. In fact, Ford have kept all of their cards close to their chest. Yes, for the uh, Chevy Heavy Duty, Ford Super Duty. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, they've kept it. They've kept it pretty quiet. I think they're you know, Ford, of course, you know has a uh, has a great reputation. You know, the F two fifty and and the F one fifty. Um, as working trucks, and I don't think they're going to disappoint, but I think they just want to go last. 
Uh, what is is there any reason they are not releasing that number now? Because everybody else's numbers are out. Um, even though we haven't got a test drive the Chevrolet, uh, the the heavy duty, we know that it's supposed to have five five hundred pounds more towing capacity. Uh, is there any reason that Ford are just not telling us still? Um, you know, I think that uh, the the Ram embargo broke on the twenty eighth. And uh, this week coming up, we've got the Geneva Auto Show, and everybody will be talking about that. So I, I expect Ford will go very soon after that. Yeah, Geneva Auto Show is somewhere they don't show a lot of trucks, right? Well, they're not going to be talking about trucks, but they'll be talking about whatever is revealed at the Geneva Show. And so I think, I think Ford is going to want the news cycle all to themselves for this. All right, so uh, the bragging rights for this, not only are they about numbers and towing capacity too, but the bragging rights uh, somewhat have to do with sales. So out of those three companies, we know that in the uh, the F-Series overall beats everybody else by selling about 900-plus thousand every year. Where do Chevrolet and uh, Ram sit in the sales numbers as far as the heavy-duty trucks are concerned? You know, I don't, I don't follow that very closely. Uh, you know, Chevy and GMC were, are always keen to point out that if you take both brands together, they outsell Ford. Um, but uh, uh, I haven't followed the, uh, the, the exact sales, sales numbers. numbers on those. Right. And, and then let's talk about markup on these trucks. I mean, the, the truck, uh, I think we drove, the, the price of these trucks, the, even though they say they start at the 2500 would start at somewhere around mid-30s, most of these trucks that we're exper- and that's a stripped-down tradesman version, most of these trucks... Which was really nice. Uh, right. I'll, 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 I'll speak to that in a moment. But, um, yeah, but you're right. Most of the trucks are, are selling north of $50,000. They are a business investment, and, uh, and they are treated very favorably at tax time, which is why so many businesses, you know, go out, you see so many businesses, with their names on the side of, of brand new pickup trucks, is uh, is there's a there's a very favorable tax treatment when you when you buy a, a new vehicle for your business that way. Um, I know because I've taken advantage of it myself. Uh, buying a new vehicle can be fully tax deductible um, in the first in year. in the current year. Yeah, yeah, section one seventy nine. Yeah, uh, which hello, thank you, IRS. That's that's quite a pleasure. All right, Jeff. When we come back, let's talk about the new Ram twenty five and thirty five hundred. Because uh, Ram currently the most powerful truck on the market. We have to yet see if the competition is, even though they say they're going to beat it, let's see if they do beat it. That's all as our auto expert continues. All right. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert will be right back. Welcome back to our auto expert. Jeff Zerschmied is on the phone. We're talking about uh, trucks. Uh, Jeff we both got a chance to drive the new Ram 2500 and 3500. And I have to say the most impressive thing, well, there's a lot of things that they do that the competition doesn't. But the most impressive thing to me was if you go to the high-end trucks, the interior is often better than a full-size luxury sedan. That's true. You know, it's one of the things I commented on in my reviews of the uh, of the Ram is uh, is this this is a, a truck that can change the way you think about heavy duty trucks? This is far from just a workhorse. Um, if you go with the limited trim or the Laramie Longhorn or any of those higher level trims, you're you're talking about finest leather, 12 inch uh, configurable information uh, infotainment display. Um, you know all of the latest stuff, adaptive cruise control. 
um, and and driver assistance features. Uh, it really doesn't get much nicer than that. And the competition, the, know, the competition's yeah. not uh, not offering not, some of the things, right? So they're not offering air suspension, which the Ram has. Right. Not all of them. Some of them do. You know, they are all all of those brands will give you a very luxurious truck in the top trim. The uh, the other thing I think I was there was two things I was super impressed uh, with the Ram on were the cameras. And not only do they have, yeah. you know, each do they have off-roading cameras and cameras, but they have this Mopar auxiliary camera that you can actually put inside the horse box at the back, so you can keep an eye on the horses or whatever the cargo might be in the back. You can actually put a camera right. in the back, so you know sometimes you want to make sure that your twenty-five thousand dollar racehorse is doing okay back there if you're towing it with one of these. I've never seen anyone do that. They always have trailer backup things and cameras that can look at the wheels, but no one's actually put a camera that you can put inside the horse box. I think you could do that with the GM uh, GM system as well. Um, there's a there's a remote camera that you can put pretty much anywhere uh, with that one. Uh, but you're right. You know the the modern trucks and and what we've seen we've seen it from Chevy and we've seen it uh, from GMC and we've seen it with uh, with Ram now is uh, the various views, including the ability using a, a camera on the back of the trailer to stitch together. Uh, a clear view as if the trailer is invisible right. behind you, which, right. I, which I find incredibly useful when you're towing a large trailer down the road. Um, and you mentioned the off-roading cameras on the Ram Power Wagon um, trim, which is truly a fantastic uh, trim that they've got and, and super capable, big 12,000-pound worn winch that will you know haul the whole truck up a hillside, uh, included as part of that. And, you know, you, you, in the last segment, you mentioned the, the stripped-down base model. And, and I wanted to say I drove that truck, um, you know, back to the hotel from, from our remote location. And I found it perfectly enjoyable. If you just want an affordable truck that will just work like a draft horse, um, for $35,000, you can, you can get into that, that tradesman trim level on the Ram. And what you'll find is uh, vinyl seats or, or cloth seats, rubber floor mats, uh, five-inch display on the uh, on the dash, and a 6.4-liter Hemi engine with 410 horsepower and 429 foot-pounds of torque. That is an impressive vehicle, especially with that eight-speed transmission they've got with it. Um, you know, we had 2,500 pounds in the in the bed of that truck, and I was driving it home like like. It was empty. It was uh, a really impressive uh, uh, rig for the money when you consider that it's hard to buy a half-ton truck for less than $30,000. You made Jen excited when you were talking about that <laughs> truck. She was bobbing up and down in her seat. The uh, the They also come with, I think, as a cool option is the fact that not only do you have uh, accident mitigation where if you have, it in, for instance, adaptive cruise control and the truck brakes, it'll also apply the tire brakes, the uh, trailer brakes. Which I think is is great, and also their trailer has tire pressure monitoring as well up front, and I've never seen mm-hmm. that before in a truck. I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing because if you blow a tire in the trailer, you the, you might be finding out when you're dragging the trailer along the road. That's the <laughs> first time that you know. At dragging the trailer along the road is the good outcome when you blow a trailer tire. Right. Believe me, I've been there. Oh, oh, tell us about your trailer tire blowing. Oh, I've I've had several trailer tire blowouts. Uh, in the in the course of my driving career, 
and uh, frequently, depending on what it is, you can end up you can end up fighting that trailer while it uh, drags you all over the all over the road. Uh, you know, just uh, get on YouTube and Google up uh, you know trailer accident. You know, they they are never pretty. The, so how, the how's the storage on the new ones versus the older ones? On the Rams. On the Rams. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I know. They're great. I love they're, the fifteen hundred. There's bins behind the rear seats. There's bins under the rear seats. Um, even in the regular cab, in that uh, in that base model tradesman trim that I talked about, you flip the flip the seats forward, and uh, and there's wonderful little cubby holes down there. So um, and that's that's assuming you didn't get the big console down the middle uh, that gives you a, a a big well right there by your knee for fishing. Uh, we like to call, no 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 Jen. We like to call them contraband cubbies. Oh well, I'd put fish in them. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you know if you had to choose between one of the three brands to buy the heavy duty truck, what what currently has your flavor? Uh, well, given that that I've only driven the Ram and I really liked the Ram, I think if I was going to pay my own money out of my own pocket for a truck, I would go right in and buy that tradesman. Really? Um, it well for what I do, I pull a trailer every now and then, and uh, and I I load stuff into the bed. The pickup truck, my pickup truck, is never my daily driver. Um, it's uh, it's just strictly a utility vehicle for me, and so I would save my money and uh, buy that tradesman and be and and be very happy with it. I would be happy with a Longhorn. Yeah, sell a, a lot more of the tradesman. In this, in the HD market uh, for business, than than they will of the of the top trim. I'm I'm still in love with the Power Wagon. Just Who is general? It's just gorgeous. There's a lot to love there. The seat, the seat the, tread, and the seat, uh, the seats of the Power Wagon are the same as the tire tread. I mean, I have, come on. I know. I yeah. have to give it to Ram, though. I mean, they have so many variations of a truck. Jeff, Jeff, where can we read your stuff? Uh, you could read my review of the Ram 2500 and 3500 in the Portland Tribune at portlandtribune.com. Click on Wheels. Uh, you can also find it very shortly at autobytel.com. All right. Jeff Zershmeet, thanks for joining us. When we come back, more car stuff. Stand by. Here it comes. Our auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. All right, Jim, we've been teasing this the whole show, but I want to talk about the trip that you took to Colorado to drive in the ice and snow. So maybe give us an overview of what your uh, your event involved (laughs) well first off um the bridgestone winter driving school is actually the only one in the united states that is to the the size capability of a driving school compared to um i think it's france they said so bragging rights bridgestone have the biggest winter driving school in the united states that is correct actually and they said all of the americas but I don't think you'd have one in, like, South America. Well, it gets but... cold in, like, you know, so they have skiing in Chile and stuff. True. I've never been, but I've heard. True. 
But originally, this whole thing started um, in, I believe, in France because people wouldn't, or uh, excuse me, were not able to drive to the mountain. So French are horrible drivers. <laughs> I'll just. So, I grew up. My mum was a history of art teacher, and I grew up traveling around the the Europe every summer. I remember staying in a hotel in Paris and watching some person, I was 12, yeah. and watching some person park a car below me on the street. And they were little like Fiat 500s, like mm-hmm. tiny little European cars. And so they drove it forwards into the parking space and bumped the car in front. And it went bump, 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 oh, bump, no. all the cars <laughs> down the road. Then they backed up and bumped the car behind. It was bump, 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 all the cars. So the French are horrible drivers. So no wonder they needed a window driving. They can't even drive in the summer. So no wonder they would need a, a winter drive. Um, Miriam Joao would probably be down my throat right you. now. Yeah. You should be laughing. However, so, um, yeah, so so the French, they, they needed to help the French learn how to navigate snow. So they started these winter driving schools. Right, exactly. And so then it just kind of migrated over the United States. And uh, the Bridgestone School is actually book solid from the whole season. that So it's really hard to get into. But if you can, do it. It's great for teens. They say they... Teach anybody from the age of 16 to 82. So it's definitely I fall in that range. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's definitely a a really great experience. Um, So at the driving school, they teach you um, more weight distribution and how you're driving. So if you're going too fast and you're sliding and the weight is moving forward, then take the foot off the brake and put on the gas. That'll shift the weight back to the back wheels. Um, which is something you really don't think about when you're sliding in the ice, you know. <laughs> they, so they want you to be balanced, basically. Right, exactly. And then it'll help understeer or oversteer get you out of that situation. So. Right. And so you went on the course to start with without any instructions. They evaluate no, how we had you No, we had instructions. All right. So, so. so they didn't really evaluate what sort of driver that you were no. before you started. No. And then... Once they got in there, and when you got in there, you'd already had some education. Right. Uh, so you sit there in the classroom for a good hour or so, and they go over the whole course and what they're expecting from Did you. they at least give you snacks? Yes. Okay, good. I had, had a breakfast sandwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> we got there really early. <laughs> so um, anyway, so you know, the course was pretty interesting. Um, but let's talk about the two cars that I drove. Yes. Okay. So, so you, I know that you... I you have driven these cars before me, by the way. I've driven the Rav Four, but I haven't driven the Toyota Prius All Wheel Drive. I cannot tell you how impressed I was. You know how Prius always gets such a bad so, rap. Let's just back up for a second. Okay. This is a girl <laughs> who has nothing but sports cars and giant trucks, trucks. in her yard. Yep. And li- likes diesel, likes gas, likes noise. I don't noise. like diesel. I you like know? gas. Yeah. You like lots of noise. Yeah, you like uh, in your face. <laughs> And you're telling me you like a Prius. Okay, all you Prius owners out there, it's time to upgrade. This thing <laughs> is phenomenal. Um, it's Yeah, the new one is all-wheel drive. And it basically two-wheel, of course, until you need it, and then it goes to the all-wheel. But, um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with it. We were taking it about 45 miles an hour, like I said, down the slope, slamming the foot on the brakes, um, no sliding at all. Uh then we'd go slaloming, and we did it in all the gears, too. So eco mode. Oh, all the driving mode. Power, yeah, yeah, power mode. That was fun. Really? Yeah, and it handled wonderfully. Did we didn't you at least have it in snow it? mode. Could you drift it around corners? Of course. Okay, good. Because I'm not going to any winter driving school where you can't drift it, it uh, was, around corners. It was incredible. 
It was incredible. Um, so you had a good time driving that. I and did. Then you, did you do the same exercises in the Prius as you did in the RAV4? Did you just like swap out and do the same course? Yes, but the Prius is not as high in the center, so right. we didn't do everything we did with the RAV4. Okay, so, it, so. the RAV4 has a bigger ground clearance. It so does. It it's 8.4 now. Yeah, so you could get through lots of stuff. I Again, I've already gushed about the new RAV4. Yeah. If you want to see my review of the RAV4, by the way, go to testmiles.com. Uh, which is our tech automotive website, and you can see the reviews right there on the video player. Uh, it is a phenomenal piece of machinery, and I, I'd love to show you some of the things I did in there. Do you have uh, any video of you driving? You said you ended up in some of the company's B-roll video. I did. So, wow. um, yeah, so I actually just got Will it. Will we see you in a Toyota commercial coming soon? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was phenomenal. The The crew was great. They they treated us really, really well. Um, so I had a really By the way, time. if you're interested in this uh, driving school, the Bridgestone Winter Driving School, it's actually pretty easy to get all the information at winterdrive.com online. Uh, then they can uh, you can see some of the videos, the performance classes, the safety classes, the group and uh, custom classes. Uh, you can also get a DVD of uh, the winter driving. And it seems like uh, everybody's featured this. I feel like I'm a little late to the party because at the bottom of their website, they're like, on today, on CNN, on MSNBC, <laughs> on Good Morning America, on our automakes. Oh, finally, we made it. We made, we it, made it. it. <laughs> uh, we made it to the list. Uh, that, I mean, and anybody can do that. I will tell you, I have driven, uh, I did a winter driving school with another automaker that was in Colorado on a frozen lake. And uh, it, they had the Blizzix tires on there. And the yeah, that's what we had. The difference in stopping with a Blizzix tire from Bridgestone and a not Blizzix tire Phenomenal. Yeah, that's what we drove with. And right. it when we first, I mean, if you think about it, they state, state right there that it's only a postcard size. It's really on the ground. And right. It kind of made you think, wow. It does. The other thing is, too, I learned an awful lot from going to one of their schools, uh, an, another Bridgestone school, which was in Texas that I went to. And they were showing off these new all-season tires they made. And actually, with the snow, they say the more snow you can compact into the tire the safer it is yeah. because snow on snow is safer than rubber on snow right isn't that weird yeah, to think? Well, it's, yeah. i guess they're right right yeah. but you don't think of it like that you <laughs> think oh my tires are caked in snow i'm in some kind of trouble so i guess so they put a lot of your misconceptions to bed yeah oh yeah definitely it was great but i do have to say something about the rav4 okay so it did come with the new engine this year yes and it came with a new transmission this yes. year and then a. Uh, I think it's the towing capacity is 3,500. Yeah, which is pretty good. It I is. I mean, that's a trailer. It's a boat, a small trailer, maybe, uh, um, you know, one of those little um, fold-out campers, the pop-up campers. You could do that. Or a couple snowmobiles. Yeah, a couple snowmobiles. Yeah. But do you have any? No, but if well, I live I'm surprised that you don't. <laughs> that, well, maybe you're not really a cold-weather girl. You're always no. cold, so maybe it would be skidoos if it was. There you go. Know, oh, I have a boat. Or skidoos or whatever. I do have a boat. You do? Yeah, that's why my truck matches my boat. I've never seen you about. When, when are you going to invite me out onto the river? Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? I work a lot, so it's been sitting in storage. When was the last? Oh, that, we've had this conversation. Yes. It's like five have. years since you've taken it out? Yes. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Why do you have a boat? You're paying mortgage fees or whatever? No. No, I own it outright. Yeah, but. It's, no, it's. A, well, where is it stored? Don't you pay storage fees? My dad's shop. <laughs> I love my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad, for storing my boat. I know, I right? He's a really nice shop, so.
But anyways. Thank goodness for that, because that would have cost you a lot of money. If you're interested, go to Bridgestone Winter Driving School. The web is winterdrive.com. Of course, we're here 24-7. Our autoexpert.com on all the social medias. And a pretty nifty website with a lot of cool videos. You can see Jen in the video. <laughs> all as our auto expert continues. More Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert. Joining us on the phone is our, we like to call him crazy scientist under our breath, but he's uh, crazy knowledgeable. Anton Warman is here. He is an independent investor and analyst. Anton, uh, let's let's start with talking about some vehicles, uh, new vehicles that are out this year. Uh, one of the ones that we're kind of anticipating is the new 2020 Ford Escape. Uh, is this going to be as exciting as what we saw when it was sort of teased by Ford undercover for the auto journalists earlier this year? Well, I think what's happening here is that a lot of things are coming together for Ford. We have seen the recent reveals of the larger members of the Ford SUV family, both on the LinkedIn and Ford-branded side. Uh, the LinkedIn one had a, a plug-in hybrid variant, and of course, the uh, uh, next-generation Ford Explorer has a non-plug-in hybrid uh, variant that uh, all go into production here this summer. And with the new Escape, that also should be hitting the market roughly around the same time here by the end of the third quarter 2019 as a 2020 model. I think we'll be seeing both. I think uh, this will become available both as a hybrid version as well as a plug-in hybrid version. And when you think about the recent products that Ford just recently killed or is in the process of eliminating, such as the C-Max as well as their Fusion sedan, they both had hybrid and plug-in hybrid versions. So you can really think about this new next-generation um, Escape as a replacement of all of those uh, into a body style that is far more popular in the market today. So, uh, you know, the, the question is they had a Ford uh, electric vehicle, which they got rid of, and uh, now they actually have... Uh, they have this sort of opportunity to do a plug-in hybrid version. Are we going to see them ever go back to just a purely electric vehicle? That's right. So uh, Ford uh, has announced that they have, I think, about a dozen purely electric cars coming on the market in the next handful of years. Not all of them necessarily available in all geographical markets. One uh, certainly suspects that at least a couple of them are earmarked specifically for China and not for anywhere else. They've been very explicit uh, about one in particular, and that is the first Ford that is coming out, and uh, that they haven't really given a name to it yet. They've had some code names and so forth, but basically it's a crossover that uh, is going to look a little bit like a Ford Mustang from the front and from the back, as crazy as that may sound, but is really a um, a, uh, a crossover uh, body format overall. And what uh, they also announced here in the beginning of January, around the time of the Detroit Auto Show, was that there will definitely be a Lincoln version of the same coming not so far thereafter as well. So those are the two first in a series of many that will be on the sale right here in the U.S. market, but 
certainly with many more to come, and we will see those probably uh, as we roll through calendar 2020, but we'll see the Ford one right here in 2019, and I think uh, it wouldn't be surprising if we also see the um, Lincoln version uh, in some format or the other before the calendar year 2019 is over, even though it may not enter production until a year or so thereafter. So some of us got to see these vehicles as a privilege before they actually uh, were shown to the to the well they, before they are will be shown to the media. Uh, they we got to see the uh, the Ford Escape or some early uh, design ideas of the Ford Escape. It looks suspiciously like me uh, to a Porsche Macan, and that was after they sent it back to the design studio because it looked too much like a a Porsche Macan. So who who are they really going after with this new Escape? Well, I think uh, when it comes to this center of market, and if you think about it, this is the best-selling segment of all non-pickup trucks in the market today, the sort of compact SUV. There are only so many ways that you can slice that cat, right? They're, they're, the, the basic body style is very much uh, narrowly confined, whether the car is made by Nissan, Toyota, uh, Honda, Volkswagen, Mazda, you name it, Hyundai or Kia. They, I mean, they look almost frighteningly the same. So uh, I think it should be really no major surprise that the new Ford Escape isn't going to deviate too far from that body style. And of course, the Porsche Macan is just a far more expensive version of a very similar body format. So I really don't see a revolution here in the design. I mean, if I had to pick one that stands out in terms of having just a timeless design. I mean, the Mazda CX-5, just like all Mazdas really, I think, have the cleanest design language of any brand in the market today. But I think most of the competitors in the market otherwise are in a fairly tight range. So will we see this vehicle come to market before the end of the year or uh, uh, at least released at an auto show? I believe so. I mean, I my understanding was that this thing was entering production in the third quarter of this year, uh, 2019, as a 2020 model. And if this thing is hitting production here in the third quarter, that presumably means we, we might see it as earliest uh, around the, you know, at the New York Auto Show. That would not be surprised. I don't know anything. I haven't seen anything. I haven't... Uh, you know, I haven't gotten a hint of anything, but when you're looking at the spy photos of the rolling cars that are actually on the road uh, where they've been taking pictures, there's very little camouflage left. I mean, there's it leaves almost nothing to the imagination, and that is usually the stage at which the company is so comfortable driving around with these vehicles uh, having so little camouflage that this means that they are, uh, you know, a, a reveal of some sort is fairly imminent within the uh, sort of two, three, four months away, I would imagine, and production within a couple of months after that. All right, Anton, stand by. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what Lincoln side is going to show and then some other uh, plug-in cars or electric cars that are coming. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Now, here's Nick Miles. Still on the phone with us, Anton Wallman. He is our independent uh, analyst and investor. Seeking Alpha is where you can read a lot of his stuff. 
Uh, Anton, so the Ford side, uh, we pretty much know where they're going with the Mach 1, this plug-in electric Tesla Model X-looking type vehicle, which we should see probably announced at the LA Auto Show, if not before. Uh, and then they also have some stuff coming very soon on the Lincoln side. I'm not sure, uh, you know, there's there's no indication as what that would be. But on the Lincoln side, the two vehicles, they said they will have six vehicles in total in the SUV lineup. Uh, that leaves us with at least two smaller vehicles and perhaps some of the vehicles somewhere in between. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Lincoln, as well as all the other brands, are trying to fill out their uh, SUV slash crossover portfolio, given the fact that the consumer needs to uh, slice that cat in thinner and thinner slices because the overall market opportunity is simply so large. So just like as in the case with Ford, uh, which has the Escape, and there's an all-new Escape coming, uh, Lincoln, of course, has its equivalent of that model. Uh, and uh, as the Ford version becomes an all-new version, we should clearly see the Lincoln version coming out with the same, namely an all-new version that will also probably have either a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid or both as, as variants to choose between for the consumers. So it would seem perfectly logical that that will hit the market uh, in a timeline that is uh, not too distant from uh, the Ford uh, variant of the same. So we've seen uh, quite a few vehicles come out this year which have been just purely uh, uh, plug-in electric vehicles. We know that there are 200 coming in the next few years. Uh, the fact is, though, a lot of people might not be ready for a fully uh, electric BEV battery electric vehicle. They may only be ready for a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. And Honda's shown that with the new Insight. Is the Insight actually conquering ground, the, the new vehicle? It did make the shortlist for North American Car of the Year, but is it making any difference in the sales for Honda? Yeah, it's very interesting. So the all-new Insight, which is the third-generation Insight, and this new model has nothing to do with the previous generation. You can think of this new Insight as effectively a hybrid Civic, and it's sort of the junior brother to the hybrid Accord that has also been out now for just a little while. It's just got a slightly scaled-down version of that powertrain. It went on sale in June of 2018, and by January of this year, 2019, it actually passed the base version of the Toyota Prius in sales. And what I mean by the base Toyota Prius version is the one that doesn't plug in, isn't the V version or any of the other discontinued or soon-to-be-discontinued Prius version, but the mainstream, the one that we really see the most of out on the road. Um, they actually passed that one in sales in here in the United States in January for the first time. And that's kind of of uh, some significance. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I had a chance to drive the car clearly here and, uh, uh, I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I mean, you talk about an upscale interior. It feels very adult, very upscale. And the powertrain is probably the first one that can really match Toyota in terms of overall smoothness. Uh, if you look at the other hybrids from Kia and Hyundai, they're lovely in many ways. But uh, one thing they are not, I think, in terms of powertrain is smooth. But the Honda is very, very smooth. Uh, still, at the end of the day, Toyota beats them all in terms of real-world fuel economy. But once you start going at 45 miles per gallon, 
at that point, it doesn't really matter whether you're at 50 or 55 because you might save, uh, you know, 10 or $20 a year at that point if you're a normal driver. So uh, that's kind of where it stands. And I think for those reasons and the fact that the uh, Honda Inside actually looks like a very good-looking normal car, really better than the regular Civic and arguably better than the Accord as well, I think that uh, that breaks a bit of a new ground for for a Econo hybrid-type uh, powertrain. And I think uh, I, I certainly would have voted for... Uh, the Honda Insight to have become a car of the year. I think it was very deserving. So let's talk a little bit about some of these vehicles and how they're going to change the gas consumption in the United States as we push more and more to uh, using less and less gas by either supplementing our fuel with uh, battery electric vehicles or with hybrid vehicles. Uh, do we see some sort of change in the infrastructure of the of the gas industry in the United States? Is it going to uh, be harder for them to make as much money as they have done in the past if we're consuming less gas? And, and will the result of that be increased gas prices? I think the changes here are, at this stage of the game, in a way, fairly slow and glacial. Uh, I do think that there are other factors that play into the density of gasoline stations, such as environmental zoning regulations. And, you know, let's say that you had an inner city gasoline station that had been there for, you know, since long before we were born. And uh, suddenly uh, there's a new owner to the land and they want to build, build a big condo building. And just the value of that land is so high that it's very hard to justify keeping a gasoline fueling station there. I think those are the factors that more uh, play into what's going on there. And then you combine that after the fact that most cars these days simply have a longer range, thanks in part to fuel economy. So you, you can sort of afford to not have gasoline stations at every street corner anymore. They, they just We just don't need to have quite as many of them because you, know, you buy a new car today that has 450 or so miles of range on average, and, and then you don't have to uh, fill up more than maybe one every two or so weeks. So, you know, you don't have to think about this as something that you do uh, once, let alone twice uh, a week, but rather once every couple of weeks. And I think that probably contributes more to the economic headwinds for gasoline stations. You know, one of the things that uh, we've noticed is the increase in hybrid cars in the United States. Uh, a lot more car companies making hybrids, even Subaru, who are well known for their sort of symmetrical all-wheel drive and not for their fuel economy, is now putting out a, a fairly decent hybrid vehicle, although sort of very infantile. Uh, let, let's look at ahead uh, into the future. Uh, these hybrid cars now, uh, Toyota is saying things like, you know, $1,500, $1,000, dollars more than the regular gas vehicle the economy of scale of just a hybrid not when not including plug-in hybrid or, or battery electric vehicles is it starting to become more desirable and actually more economically thinkable for the modern american family well, that's a little bit unclear. I mean, obviously, there are some scale economies here, but don't forget, I mean, Toyota has sold over 10 million hybrids in total worldwide since they started about 20 years ago. So uh, one could argue they're certainly at scale. Uh, that isn't really the issue here. The issue is, what is the optimal way to achieving the various fuel economy and CO2 targets that the governments are imposing on the industry? And in some cases, Hybrids just won't do. I mean, if you're trying to sell something in Norway, I mean, a hybrid will not get any any of the benefits that are associated with uh, with the government incentives. And if you're trying to comply with 
California and the other uh, zero emissions vehicle states in the United States and their requirements, hybrids won't do anything either. So uh, they, they certainly fit in some places and they are part of the toolbox in some geographies. But they've found that the governments have really uh, stacked the deck in many ways against hybrids as they're trying to push for uh, pure EVs. I mean, it's a very much a... Uh, a very forced approach here in which the governments are forcing people onto pure EVs, which um, I'm not so sure is the really the sound approach because it really asks a lot from the consumer to change their lifestyle and worry about new things such as infrastructure and and then the like. And I I, uh, I don't see a happy ending to all of that. I, I really don't. Um, uh, so I think uh, I think there's a clash here that's coming between the realities of the marketplace. And uh, and the various uh, uh, government mandates, effectively, that the automakers are having to design for. Yeah, we've all been expecting something not to be quite right when this uh, this pushes itself out, and uh, finally everything gets uh, worked out. I guess whether the incentives go or they stay. You know, one of the things that I'm curious about is is Toyota. They have really maintained their grip on the uh, the hybrid market and hopefully soon the plug-in hybrid market. They've delved a little bit into hydrogen, but even vehicles like the new RAV4, a 41 miles a gallon uh, out of that vehicle in the city is what I was getting, and, and it's just crazy when you think that's an SUV. I agree completely. I mean, the new Toyota RAV4, I mean, you talk about a, a car that really hits the bullseye uh, from all of these perspectives right now. I mean, you couldn't find one that hits it any better than the new Toyota RAV4 hybrid that just sort of came out here uh, and are uh, starting to arrive in dealerships pretty much uh, right about uh, this point in time. Uh, 41 miles per gallon city, 37 highway, 39 blended. And, you know, with Toyota's uh, numbers, uh, you can actually achieve them in the real world, which is uh, something you can't say for all automakers. So absolutely. The other trend I should point out, though, is that some of the best-selling hybrids, and also depends a little bit on the definition of hybrid, uh, is are really not even labeled as a hybrid. If you look at the new Ram uh, full-size pickup truck, they have this 48-volt mild hybrid system that uh, they call it e-torque, but it you know it doesn't really say it on, on the car. It's not really labeled uh, to the outside world. It just lifts the uh, city and blended fuel economy by about two miles per gallon, which is huge. It's 10% uh, for a truck of that size. Uh, but, uh, you know, you look at the sales numbers for something like that. I mean, that car sold over 530,000 units in the United States alone in calendar year 2018. And of course, only a small subset of that uh, are going to be hybrids going forward, maybe about 125 to 150,000 units of those a year. But that is way larger than the volumes now that Toyota sells of, uh, of the Prius and uh, essentially all the other hybrids. Nobody will match the Ram full-size pickup truck in terms of hybrid sales. And that's with a hybrid that does not even, that's not even labeled as a hybrid. And then one of the things I noticed about that too is that uh, I think the last check Prius sold around sixty thousand or so, maybe uh, just under seventy thousand. So with that selling, uh, just with the mild hybrid version, that's selling somewhere in the region of a uh, maybe you know two hundred to four hundred thousand of the V6, which has the mild hybrid, and clearly going to be the number one hybrid in the United States. But are other truck companies going to follow suit? They are. I mean, most notably Ford. Uh, Ford is, uh, I mean, clearly said that they're coming out with a hybrid. They've been very coy about the details of this 
I mean, it's, I'm, I'm still thoroughly confused as to whether this is a plug-in hybrid or a non-plug-in hybrid. Uh, I swear I ought to know this. And, and uh, the more I ask, the more the confused I get as to what, what it really uh, is going to be. But uh, what, is, what Ford has made clear recently is that regardless of what's happening on the hybrid slash plug-in hybrid front, they're also going to have a pure electric uh, version of the F-150 truck as well, although they haven't been uh, very explicit about the timeline. I mean, we sure shouldn't expect it uh, in the market by 2020, but, you know, maybe in 2021 or 2022, we could maybe see something. But uh, clearly Ford is going to be in the hybrid uh, pickup truck uh, game for sure. GM, you would think, given uh, its heritage with a Volt in particular, you know, you would think that GM ought to have something to offer here, given GM's prowess and powertrain here, which is really unmatched in the industry. But I, I don't see any signs right now, sadly, that the GM is about to offer something. Instead, they are going for uh, potentially some sort of investment or cooperation with the privately held Rivian uh, that has been rumored now for uh, weeks, and we have still haven't heard anything concrete. So we'll see what comes out of that. But you would think uh, GM ought to be doing better than just having a uh, some sort of minority investment or cooperative relationship with Rivian when they themselves have big factories and all the electric vehicle technology you can imagine under their own uh, tent and uh, all the other expertise there is to make this happen. And yet, I just don't see any signs of an internal development there. Anton Warman, it's always great to have you on the show and just uh, something for you to tuck away in your archives to let you know that Rivian actually, uh, I've seen a map of the New York Auto Show and Rivian have floor space. So maybe not just a flash in the pan. They're coming back for another auto show after LA. And that usually means that a car company is pretty serious if it keeps returning to auto shows, right? Well, uh, if you got uh, some new hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, Amazon in a fresh new investment, I guess you can splurge on getting floor space at the New York Auto Show. Perfect. Anton Wallman, you can read a lot of his stuff at SeekingAlpha.com. He's a, a great guy and always has an insight and an early uh, tip-off to things that are happening in the market. And, of course, Our Auto Expert 24-7 at OurAutoExpert.com and all the social media platforms. Send us a message. We'd love to answer your questions and also perhaps even feature some of your ideas on the show. Right here. Good stuff, my friend. Thank you so much.